Good morning, and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. Um, since Purim has passed, we are now on to the next season as Jews in the City, no matter what city you're on. Um, and Pesach is is in the air. It's in the supermarkets. Already a few weeks ago, I noticed that matzah and different jarred gefilte fishes were coming out. Um, and so there is a lot of work for some people. This is a stressful time of year, um, but hopefully it's a time of year also with uh, some excitement for the gatherings of the families, for reciting the Haggadah, for um, eating all that matzah. Um, we have a really interesting guest with us today. Uh, at Jew in the City, we like to make orthodoxy relevant and meaningful um, and show sort of out of the box, surprising Orthodox Jews. And probably it's pretty surprising. I'm, I'm actually surprised that the guest that we have on our show today is an Orthodox Jew who managed the Batman franchise for DC Comics. And he's the leading expert in graphic novel creation and production. Um, his creations have resulted in critically acclaimed and commercially successful films like The Dark Knight Rises and television series Birds of Prey, um, games and merchandise and more. His name is Jordan B. Gorfinkel, but um, he goes by Gorf. So, Gorf, thank you for joining us, and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks. Thank you very much. It's such a pleasure to be here. When did Gorf come about? Were you used to be Jordan, or were you always Gorf? I guess it came about in high school or so. It's hard to remember. But for Pesach, it's very convenient because as I open, I'm on a book tour right now, and as I open all of my discussions, I ask people, so what's the next major holiday that comes up? Here, play along with me, Allison. So what's the next major holiday that comes up? Passover. Right. And how many plagues do we have? Ten. And what's the second plague? Um, um, as far as they have frogs? Good. And what's frog backwards? Gorf. There you go. You'll never forget me. Nice. I also, like, there's a little, like, Balchuva moment, like, will I get the plagues right on the air? But I'm glad that I passed that test. And also spelling, I could do backwards spelling. And also you led me there. Um, so we're bringing you on because um, you have this interesting expertise in um, graphic novels, which is a surprising thing for an Orthodox Jew to do. Um, and now you've come out with a Batman Haggadah, which I think is going to make um, satyrs more exciting all over the world. So before we speak about this uh, Passover graphic Haggadah novel, um, Passover Haggadah graphic novel, there we go. Um, let's just talk about you and how this happened. Um, where did you grow up? Where were you raised? Um, and when did you get into, I guess, comics, which probably is pretty typical, but when did you really get into comics? Sure. So first, a quick clarification. It's not a Batman Haggadah. It, I am the former editor of Batman Comics, and Got I have created a Haggadah. Got I just it. want to make sure that I don't infringe on the copyright of DC Comics that owns Batman. Got uh, it. Okay, that's what I was confused about. All right, how did you get the permission? So, it, so it's a graphic novel, and you are a Batman expert and not infringing on any... Um, any intellectual property. Okay. So right. And while we're listening to this, if anybody wants to go to jewishcartoon.com slash Passover, you'll get more information and see visuals and so forth. But to answer your question, I was an introverted, shy, shall we say, uh, food-loving little kid. And I moved around quite a bit when I was younger. Were you and raised observant? I was raised, it's, it's an interesting thing. So uh, I would not label myself as an Orthodox Jew, rather a Torah observant, Sabbath observant, Shomer Shabbat Jew. And the reason is because I'm kind of a Jewish mutt. 
So mm -hmm. when I was being raised in all the cities that I went to, I attended a variety of different types of schools. So I mm -hmm. went to public school. I went to uh, reform, conservative, Solomon chapter, uh, orthodox. I went to yeshiva and I fell in with a wonderful crowd in Chicago mm -hmm. that uh, between them and my uh, grandparents, may they rest in peace, they steered me towards an observant lifestyle. And I really loved it because I felt constantly challenged in a good way, intellectually mm -hmm. and spiritually mm -hmm. and ritualistically. And uh, because I have what I call old man, old Jewish man's stomach uh, gastronomically as well. Mm -hmm. So uh, in Hamavin Yavin, those who understand certainly understand. And yeah. it, throughout all of my travels, my constant companions were the superheroes in comic books. Mm -hmm. They were the ones that matched kind of the morality that I believed in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the good are good and the bad are bad and the good vanquishes bad, at least in an idealistic world. And I love mm -hmm. the action and adventure and the stories. And I love the comfort of knowing that even as my surroundings were constantly shifting, I always had these superheroes who remained that constant in my life. Hmm. And the, the superhero creators, they were basically all Jews. And I think I've heard other people talk about the fact that there's a lot of Jewish values. And uh, Superman is like Moses on the Nile being sent away, right? I'm saying that's sort of like a, a well-known scene. Yes. I don't know how well known it is, but certainly that comparison has been made. And in the talks that I do during my Passover Haggadah graphic novel book tour, that is one of the things that I do focus on. The origins, the Jewish origins of the creation of sequential storytelling in comic books and graphic novels. And also, as you put it very well, the uh, morality, the ethics, uh, the Judeo ethics that are infused with the superhero ethos. And beyond, because uh, it's certainly my, uh, my tremendous Israeli artist on the Passover Agada graphic novel project, Erez Sadok, he was influenced more by European comics like Asterix and so forth that aren't mm -hmm. superhero at all. They are more uh, whimsical adventures and slice of life kinds of stories. So sequential art may have begun as uh, superheroes and political cartoons way back when, but they've evolved into a, a mature medium that can tell any story, including the Passover Haggadah. Hmm. I don't, this is actually just reminding me now, I, I was not a, um, a childhood comic lover, um, but it's okay. We like to show different types of people on the show here, but my parents actually got us um, a um, graphic novel Bible as kids. Did you, I don't know if you ever saw this before, but we didn't actually know too much Torah or study Torah formally, but we had um, the Torah stories in a form of a graphic novel. So the little bit that we did get was actually um, in comic book form, which is kind of interesting. Um, so how did you go from the kid that loved comics and uh, these were your companions to making a living out of it? Because sometimes hobbies just stay hobbies. Sure. Well, first of all, thank you for assuming that I'm actually earning a decent living. I appreciate <laughs> that. Uh, Is this your full-time job or use on the side? So I do two things. Actually, you know what? Let me give you the umbrella, the 10,000-foot the view from my seat in uh, United Airlines seat 7A flights that I take constantly jetting all over the country and indeed the world for supporting the Haggadah and my various projects. So I am a storyteller in multimedia. And what that means is no matter what medium I'm using, whether it's comics and graphic novels or television or film or games or making personal appearances or music, which is a big part of my life as well, regardless, 
I am always trying to bring people on some kind of a journey that engages them in an interactive, energetic way so that two things are achieved. Number one, first and foremost, they feel entertained. Because if you want people to engage with whatever you're trying to, whatever message you're trying to impart to them, then if you do it in a fun way, then chances are they're going to retain it. That's mm-hmm. storytelling. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the second thing is, forgive me, I lost my train of thought over here because I uh, had a car drive by me that I was trying to avoid. Can you repeat the question? Oh, um, how did you go from um, this being a hobby, your sort of passion for graphic novels to um, like, what's the path for managing the Batman fry, uh, franchise at DC Comics? Like meaning what, what schooling do you need to get to, to do that? And sort of at what point did you realize that you were going to be able to um, turn your love of uh, comics into a career? Sure. So I would say that for any any child who read comics as a kid, and certainly one who is artistically oriented or a visual thinker, not your standard uh, by rote test taker kind of student, the path that you're going to take is either you're going to become uh, some kind of creator, uh, in my case, for comics and graphic novels and cartooning, or you're going to become a very unhappy lawyer. And <laughs> As it turns out, I really ended up being both because I have a small company called Avalanche Comics Entertainment, under which mm-hmm. I do all of this this graphic novel work, mm-hmm. uh, and also the television video games and all that sort of stuff as well. And um, I find that 85% of my time is spent uh, talking with my wonderful clients and organizing all of the paperwork and, and business side of things. And then maybe for two hours at night, I get to do the actual creative work. So it's mm-hmm. funny the way things will work out. But I'm exaggerating, but you understand what I mean. So yeah, the path yeah. is the path is 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 simple as I tell people all the time. It's very easy to get into the uh, creative uh, industries. It's just very hard to be good enough to get into the creative industries. So right. you have to work all the time and you have to practice your craft and you have to meet people and network and it's no different than being in any other job except it seems to be perceived as something a little bit more glamorous or outside of the box, because as you said in the beginning of this uh, discussion that we're having, uh, it's a little unusual to have somebody who is an observant Jew who is in this, uh, this line of work. So my path is, it's, it's a very long story, and the short answer is that it's something that I really wanted to do. Uh, I worked hard at making the right connections. I was hired at uh, DC Comics after graduating from uh, Boston University and doing a little time in School of Visual Arts in New York City and kind of getting my uh, bona fides together. So I was hired at DC Comics as the assistant editor on Batman. And nine years later, uh, every Batman story featured in our continuity titles was uh, based on an idea that I came up with called Mm -hmm. Batman No Man's Land. And it's since become the basis for television and movies and so forth. And mm-hmm. that was my graduate school education. I remain on very friendly terms with the company, occasionally still doing work with them. Mm-hmm. But I decided that I would segue from that into doing my own projects, forming mm-hmm. my own company and doing my own projects. And that's led us to where we are today. And okay, I should so- add that uh, at the same time that I was doing that, because I touched on it before, I was also uh, one of the key founders of Jewish acapella. So when you see any of those viral videos or you're part of one of those amazing groups that now uh, proliferate at Hillel houses around the world, it started with a group called Bitachon, 
which was the first professional Jewish a cappella group, and it morphed into Kol Zimra, which is the gold standard for those groups that do smachot, where we uh, do interactive vocal music for personal occasions and bar mitzvahs and so forth. So uh, music and comics were always going to be coordinated in my life. Very nice. Bitachon was actually maybe one of the first uh, Jewish CDs. And I'm dating myself now, but one of the first Jewish CDs I got as I was becoming observant. So I guess I've already met you. Um, ah, that's so, so now, nice. Thank you. So, um, so now this was a nice segue. You said it was time to move on to do your own thing. So when, why, how, I guess you touched on this a little bit that in terms of the storytelling, you're passionate about this, but um, when and how did this Passover Haggadah graphic novel come about? Everybody looks for a lightning strike moment to be able to say, this is when it happened. This is where the idea came from. But the, the truth is that it was just kind of a logical progression. It was the project that I would would come to. And the reason is because the Haggadah is, as I often say, a Cliff Notes or a Wikipedia page of Judaism. It's got everything. It's got our history and our theology. It's got our philosophy. It's got some of our greatest writing and thinking. It's got amazing songs and poetry. It's got rituals, as my good friend Sean Altman would say. If you had to summarize the Passover Seder, it would be, they tried to kill us. We survived. Let's eat. The rest is commentary. Right. So how do you take that and turn it into a narrative sequential art story? That's the challenge, because if you look at the Haggadah, you think of it as, oh, you know, it's the Passover story. It's Exodus. You know, we split the sea and we walked through and, and we, we uh, banged on the drums and, and then we uh, uh, ate bitter herbs to memorialize all of it. Well, in fact, that's a part of it, but mm -hmm. that's not all of it. It's not a chronology. This story or this book balances around within 4,000 years of history and presumes a tremendous amount of erudition that today we don't really have anymore because it's really written in the style of the Mishnah, since after all, the, the folks, the, the brilliant folks who wrote the Mishnah way back when in Roman times, they didn't have the ability to pass books on to the people. Everything was the oral tradition. Mm -hmm. And in the oral tradition, you had to memorize everything. So you had two or three words that would stand in for paragraphs worth of information mm -hmm. that everybody was just assumed to know. Right. So now my job is, how do I take this experience of telling some of the greatest, most fun stories about the Dark Knight Batman, arguably the greatest character in all of fiction? How do I take that experience of doing more than 2,000 stories on that wonderful character and apply it? towards a 2,000-year-old book that would seem to defy the very structure that we consume our media in today. You know, you go to a DC Comics movie or a Marvel movie or, for that matter, a Harry Potter movie or whatever be the case, and it's always in the same kind of structure. It's the, the three-act structure that I won't go into details about right now. But suffice it to say that we found a way to turn this sprawling Wikipedia page into a dynamic, exciting story that you can read as a graphic novel. And on facing pages, you have the Hebrew and the transliteration. So that way it is totally utilitarian. You can mm -hmm. run your Seder with it. Mm -hmm. You can get the insights from the juxtaposition of the 
words and pictures on the graphic novel pages. And of so course, you, you can so bounce wait, back and forth. You have your, your sort of commentary is inside the graphic novel itself? Yeah, the commentary love is it. the graphic novel. Wow, so love it. It's like, uh, thank you. So it's like a good, um, it's like a good Bugs Bunny cartoon, or if you'll forgive me, a good Simpsons uh, episode, wherein you can enjoy it on the surface level. You mm -hmm. can be the Tom or the Shaino Yodaily Shoal and enjoy mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Or you can be the Chacham or the Rasha and find depths and insights that are that are built into the sequential art, the graphic novel pages, that upon further readings, and hopefully this will be an evergreen project that lasts for years and years, uh, upon multiple uh, engagements with it, uh, you will just find more and more to be involved with and to learn from. So um, this is sort of thinking about um, you, I guess, telling the tale of the Exodus story in an artistic way is making me think about what I grew up learning about the Exodus story with, which was the Ten Commandments. Um, that was sort of the yearly Passover tradition. So I actually... Sure, when I learned, let my people go. Exactly. When I learned actual Chumash, um, again, it's sort of like a ball of a moment. I have to sort of remind myself, is, is this really happening in the Torah or is this just Charlton Heston's version of it? So, and then, of course, uh, Prince of Egypt, the, the I guess, Disney version of it. Um, DreamWorks. Oh, DreamWorks. Sorry, I'm messing up all the different branding stuff. No, today. no, no. It's okay. It's not. It's not your background, but I. I know. <laughs> you know, you're, insider. So well, there's curious. a reason why. There's a reason why. Um, Rabbi Burton Vysotsky was one of our historical advisors. Tremendous midrashic uh, scholar was one of our historical advisors on the book, and he also advised Jeffrey Katzenberg on that movie. Hmm. So I know that when he listens to this, and he will cavell listening to his name being mentioned over here uh he will want it the record to be straight so it's only because so then are i guess how would you say are there any similarities um i'm saying because there haven't been so many representations of the exodus story being told sort of in in art forms um any similarities any big differences other than actual like historic accuracy um between i guess do you have any thoughts about sort of some of these well-known probably Ten Commandments movie is one of the most well-known movies in you know the history of Hollywood and I think sure. Prince of Egypt um, made a decent splash so um, in terms of like how far they reach probably Ten Commandments reach further but then to the appealing you know appealing to kids probably the cartoon reach further kind of where do you see your piece of art uh, in compared to these other uh, well-known pieces that's a great question Allison I would say that our innovation here is that we have taken a brand new translation by written by David Olivestone, uh, who worked for the OU, the Orthodox Union, for many years and is very famous for having written the translation and I think transliteration as well for the NCSY venture. So he is our translator. We have taken that translation and we have adapted it directly into the graphic novel pages so that if you wanted to fulfill your mitzvah on Passover of doing the Passover Seder by reading the comic book, you have done it. Mm -hmm. And uh, you may enjoy the Prince of Egypt, you may enjoy the Ten Commandments, but I don't think you're fulfilling your mitzvah of, uh, of, of Passover by uh, enjoying those, those entertainments. So mm -hmm. I'd say that's the major difference over here. Mm -hmm. And uh, the other thing that I want to emphasize is that 
many times people presume, especially Western readers, presume that comics is a kiddie medium. Mm-hmm. And certainly children will enjoy this book. In fact, mm-hmm. I've seen uh, people at my book signings, uh, they, will, they will come with two copies to be signed. And the reason why is because one is for the Seder, but one they expect that the kid is going to get comments all over it mm-hmm. because he can't wait to take it back into his bedroom and read it as a comic book right away. Mm-hmm. And how many Jewish scholarly texts can you actually say that about? That's pretty wonderful. Um, Well, that's actually now getting me thinking if you can do this. And I can tell you, even my husband um, just saw an ad for this somewhere. And he's like, oh, this is great. I'm getting this for a pace off. And I'm like, I'm interviewing the guy. So, you know, I already knew about that. You didn't get to this first, man. Um, But your your signed copies in the mail, my friend. Oh, baby. (laughs) Um, So the question is, if you could do this and I want to talk about the response, but if you could do this for the um, Exodus story. Are there plans to make all of Jewish uh, learning or more Jewish topics more engaging and put them into graphic novels? Yeah, a- another very uh, intuitive question. I appreciate that. So this isn't a kid's medium. This is a medium for all ages. And like mm-hmm. I said before, you can enjoy it on whatever level you're at. And my strong feeling is that this is just the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I've worked with, on this project, the incredible gold standard for religious texts in Jewish publishing, Koran publishing. Mm -hmm. And my hope and my desire is to be able to move on to doing an entire line of Jewish graphic novels in this style. And we would have a number of buckets where we would do Jewish texts like uh, Tanakh or uh, Nach, meaning uh, the Bible texts. Mm -hmm. Uh, We would also do books of history and philosophy, and I've got some ideas on that. And then we would also have a category where we would do miscellaneous stuff. Mm-hmm. I have been doing a weekly Jewish cartoon at jewishcartoon.com for many years now. Mm-hmm. It's published in some newspapers as well around the world, like the New York Jewish Week and the Atlanta Jewish Time, the Minneapolis Jewish World, so on and so forth. Oh, and by the way, uh, touching on your CD comment from earlier, yeah. uh, for those listeners who don't know, a newspaper is when you print out the Internet and you <laughs> hand it to people just so you understand. Okay, so now that we've established that, I'm very actively pursuing what I call phase two, which will be this Jewish line of graphic novels. Mm -hmm. You see, for this Haggadah, we raised the funds as a nonprofit. Mm -hmm. And uh, that means that our funders have been doing this in order to be able to support the very important goals of Jewish continuity and identity that I know Jew in the City shares with, uh, with, with our project as well. Sure. Uh, I've enjoyed the show for many years, three years now, I think, right? Yeah. Oh, wow. I never Congratulations. know. Congratulations. Thank you. Hakarata <laughs> It's a major accomplishment, and you're doing amazing things. Thank you. And uh, just like you were trying to mainstream and, shall I say, debunk uh, uh, observant and, and religious Judaism through the uh, marvelous programming that you do, so too within graphic novels and publishing and perhaps later on uh, television and other multimedia, we want to be able to take these esoteric educational sources and make them as uh, accessible and engaging and entertaining as possible. Love it. Um, So what kind of, how how long has the book been available? I don't know if we've gotten our copy yet. Is it it available yet or is it in pre-order or like what, when, when is it due to drop? Yes, it's available, okay. and it's been available since the beginning of February. 
uh, and you can go to the Koran website and go to Haggadahs Are Us. Uh, you can go to uh, your local Jewish bookstore, and uh, there are any any place that you're able to get a uh, a book, you will be able to find this. And I also want to say a big thank you to all of our supporters. We had over 150 Indiegogo crowdfunding supporters, as well as major funders. And uh, all, we are working on all the perks that we promised them to get their books out to them with plenty of time for Pesach so that everybody has a Passover Haggadah graphic novel to learn from, to share, and to enjoy. And what are you getting feedback? Because I know we have a hard time getting feedback when we're on the internet and people don't bother to write their comments or, you know, messages in when we're a click away. But I feel like for... Um, you know, being in print, um, it's even harder to hear from people. So are you able to hear from anyone who has received their copy yet? Yes, I've heard from so many people. And I think a big reason for that is because uh, I have been on this book tour since the beginning of February. Mm -hmm. And I want to give credit to Alison Gronowitz for setting up this amazing tour where I've gone from city to city. I've been the scholar in residence in uh, for every Shabbat, every Sabbath, uh, between the beginning of February and through Pesach, and then doing all kinds of activities and workshops and so forth during the week. For example, I have a Jewish cartoon workshop where I get participants engaged in the process of making cartoons themselves about mm -hmm. Jewish topics and Jewish holidays, and then we collect it into a comic book for the entire community, school, shul, JCC, what have you, to enjoy and to learn from. And in the context of that and the more didactic discussions that I give and the interactive uh, 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 speeches and so forth, uh, people come up to me all the time. And uh, I hear from people who are inspired by the work we're doing. Uh, I hear from people who have enjoyed the work that we're doing. Uh, I'm trying to think of some specific comments. Oh, you know what? <laughs> I just got a, uh, a thank you letter uh, forwarded to me from our translator, David Olivestone, just a few minutes ago, in fact. And it was his, from his friend, Bob. I don't know who Bob is, but mm -hmm. hi, Bob. And Bob said, uh, got the graphic novel, uh, absolutely thrilled to pieces by it. And uh, thank you very much, especially on behalf of my son, uh, who grabbed it and, uh, and was engaged for hours with it. And, and I love this quote, you've made my life easier. <laughs> I love it. You know, it's really uh, what I love about this is that these uh, it's timeless stories, it's timeless wisdom, but um, the way to be able to there's a limit in terms of what we can do in terms of updating, meaning we're a religion that uh, sort of looks backwards in terms of tradition. But at the same time, um, we do have to have a certain amount of updating and adapting. And this is such a brilliant way to tell over, um, you know, these same stories that have literally been told for you know, thousands of years um, in a medium that um, speaks to today's generation, which similarly, you know, we're trying to use social media in a similar way. So um, I wish you much Hatzlacha. Um, Thank you. In continuing to inspire uh, Jews of all ages um, with uh, using your, your God-given talents. Thank you very much. And once again, if you're trying to reach out to us, it's jewishcartoon.com slash Passover. And you can find me at Jewish underscore cartoon on Instagram. And you can follow the continuing book tour as we head now to New York, New Jersey, to Boston, back to Southern California, Los Angeles and San Diego, then Cleveland, Ohio, Nashville, and ending in Atlanta, Georgia. Very nice. All right. Much hatzlacha to you and a chag kasher v'sameach.
Chag Hashem Sameach to you, your wonderful organization, and all of you listeners out there. Happy Passover. And thank you for listening. You can catch us same time, same place next week. Bye-bye.